You're listening to Dirty Feet, a podcast from No More Radio. Vous écoutez le podcast Dirty Feet sur les ondes de No More Radio. Hosted by, animé par, Alison Burns, J.D. Papillon, et Stéphanie Morin-Robert. Stay tuned. We're going to move you. This week on the Dirty Feet podcast, we're going a little outside of our norm of covering dance uh, here in Montreal. We're going to be talking about a puppet show. Uh, this is something that I saw in 2013 at the Montreal Fringe Festival, and I fell in love with it. And uh, they were actually so kind as to put a quote from me up on their website. So here's a nice little, uh, you know, back uh, circling back and wrapping it up and, and actually getting to speak with these artists is a it's an absolute pleasure and to talk about the show that I enjoyed so much and even at the time I was considering that uh, there is so much movement there's it's a without language the show without uh, you know known language that it it does almost fall into this realm where we can kind of discuss it in terms of the physicality and 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 the otherworldliness of it that is maybe not quite your standard theater show. So anyway, it's called We Walk Among You, and it's by the Artichoke Heart Collective, and since presenting this show, they actually have another work up and running called Circular, which I actually saw in Toronto this past Fringe Festival, so you guys are rocking the fringes. You're presenting the work now at Mainline Theater for a two-week run. Uh, uh, you've been brought here by Beyond the Mountain Productions, which works to bring theater to Montreal from elsewhere and from Montreal to other cities. Uh, so Let's introduce uh, who we have uh, in the room today. Of course, we have uh, co-host Stephanie Morin-Robert along with me. We also have uh, director Tijiki Morris, uh, as well as two of the puppeteers, Andrew Young and Talia Del Cogliano. And uh, one, of the, uh, one of the fight directors and Foley artist, Alexandra Barbarana. Uh, so these four uh, wonderful artists are in studio today with us, and I would love to uh, have them pipe in so we can hear their voices. Uh, let's uh, just go around to my right and start with Alex. Hi there, I'm Alexandra. I'm Talia. I'm Tajiki. And I'm Andrew. Super, thank you all for being here. Thank you for having us. Yeah, oh, thank you. Let's start with uh, the origins of the Artichoke Heart Collective. You were founded in 2010, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, in 2010. We started with something completely unpuppetry related, but uh, we were super drawn to puppetry in our second year of theater school. And uh, the summer between our second and third year, we started doing some shadow puppetry, and then it just evolved into a full-blown full puppetry company. And were all four of you involved since the beginning? Uh, no, actually. Uh, myself, uh, Talia, Tijiki, and Michelle Urbano are part of the original production from our third year. Um, Alex was in our class, but came on board later. Mm. And Andrew, who was a year above us, came aboard a little later on in the process as well. Yep. <laughs> to, to put everyone into context, where, uh, where did you guys study? What school did you guys all meet at? And where did that kind of all initiate? We studied at Humber College in Toronto, and uh, that's, that's kind of where it happened, pretty much. That's where the magic happened. <laughs> <laughs> Are there classes in particular that, that really kind of got, got that, uh, that need or that want to start your own company and to start things up, or, or teachers in particular? 
the whole program is based off of self-producing pretty much like just creating your own works so like we were seasoned from the very beginning i guess <laughs> right i guess yeah is that fair it, to say? it's fair to say it's uh the program itself is kind of derived more towards not waiting for your agent to call you it's about creating your own content and finding what's interesting to you and figuring out how to tell your own story and then giving you the tools that you can try and do that without going completely broke we also had a number of uh physical theater classes um, in which we did a lot of physical devised work. So, I mean, I think for me, and I, even the way we do puppetry, that's really where we kind of were seasoned or marinated in that kind of work. And in our second year, we actually had a puppetry course, which is kind of where this stemmed from. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul DeYoung, who was our uh, teacher for that, um, planted the seed, I imagine. And then from there, we just couldn't stop (laughs) so not only creating new work but also creating opportunities for yourself and for for possibly others since there are people who kind of join into this this collective and and participate in different ways um as far as the puppets that you guys do use where where does that all start how do these puppets come to life because most of this production is about um these puppets coming to life which is quite (laughs) impressive and really and really beautiful um so what yeah i i know i was talking to andrew actually about you know him walking home and collecting junk off the road and and like that kind of being the start of of puppets that he makes uh for this production in particular where yeah who who gave who Uh, gave life to these puppets (laughs) A lot of our puppets came, we do found object puppetry. So, well, turn them into puppets. We turn them into puppets. So, Tidge, who is the master collector of things, um, <laughs> she, she has an extensive collection of things that she finds or things that also Andrew mentioned earlier we pick up off the street. We love garbage picking um, because that's where all the cool things are on the street. Uh, Toronto is so great for that. <laughs> <laughs> And, um, and we, you, we see an object that we like, and then we kind of build from there. We start with... Oh, this particular one, we <laughs> sat in a room with a bunch of things. With, yeah, with a bunch of garbage. And other things that we do is we start with newspaper and tape, and we'll build things, um, different shapes, and then we'll see what speaks to us, what their actions are once they are half-built. Um, and then we do prototypes uh, from there. Um, but some puppets that are in this show were the original thing from that day in that room. Uh, for instance, Greeny Doctor was a piece of fabric that Michelle found and fell in love with. It was just a green furry thing. And she's like, I love this. I want to use it. And so he's been, we haven't been able to re- remake him yet. And then we, we built the sort of interactions. We build a lot off of uh, improvisation. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the pu- and having the characters improvise together, and that gave us our place. Mm-hmm. And then, oftentimes after we build them, they tell us what they need. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't go into this with an idea of I want to build a one-eyed, uh, crawly around little puppet thing. It just ends up being he doesn't have arms. He's only got one eye. He can't speak, and his feet are now his voice because he has no other way to move. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you use this word embodied puppetry, and I'm wondering if, if that makes it different than other puppetry, or if what does that word mean in the Artichoke Heart Collective? Um, I think, Im- for me, embodied puppetry refers to the, physic- 
the physicality that is given by the performers. Um, and it's interesting, we've, we've had this kind of on-off debate about whether we would completely mask the puppeteers. Um, in some forms of puppetry, they do that. Um, however, I don't know, I feel that to see the performers, to see their physicality along with the puppets gives a fullness to the puppets and it brings the puppets, gives the puppets a kind of life um, that is very rich and full and embodied. And there's this really interesting relationship, I think, that I like to explore between the puppeteer and the puppet that um, that is very... Um, that I don't know, it's really alive, and I guess that's why I, we think embodied puppetry describes the way that we do puppets. I think a really interesting thing when watching uh, a puppet show or when experiencing your show just the other night um, was kind of having you guys at, as the puppeteers disappear as the show went on, where you're like, you no longer realize that there are people, because the only people on stage are the puppets who have come to life at that point. Um, is, this, is this intentional? Is this... Is this the goal when, when manipulating puppets? Um, yes, because, well, I think so anyway, because it's so much of the story is created through these characters that we're developing, and although these characters need two or three different people to met, let them walk through the space or develop something, it's all about these characters and their choices. So although we are there and present and helping them move, we are not the focus of what's happening, and we're not the focus of the interaction between these characters. It's... It's all about the puppets and the choices that they make and seeing them go through that action. And the more... It's, it's just kind of within um, a scene and figuring out which, which point of focus is happening throughout the scene and who the audience is supposed to be looking at. And the more that we work on that and find our own stories within that, uh, we disappear and the other people disappear and the entire world, it's, although it is present, it disappears too and it's just about these little movements and these choices that these characters have. Yeah, and there's something also kind of magical about the fact that even when you're on stage behind them, you, I mean, me as a puppeteer, I'm giving all of my focus into this thing. And even if the audience members do start looking at you, they see what you're looking at and they're like, oh, well, I should just look at what they're looking at. And, you know, we try to, you know, we work on some neutrality in our face, although we do let the life, like, shine up into it sometimes, you know, if your character is having a field day with a, you know, a ball or something. And uh, <laughs> you can't help but not be excited. Um, but as a puppeteer behind it, I find myself just sinking into them anyway. I'm sinking into the puppet. I almost, it's almost like a thing falls over my eyes, like I'm not even there anymore. Um, and then I kind of feel like I disappear, and then that's it. It's just my hands, you know? Yeah, I think it's beautifully immersive, I find, like this type of work. And just be, kind of being on the outside of it, like, I mean, I didn't really, like, operate a lot of the puppets, but just kind of, like, watching it and seeing people's reactions and stuff like that. Like, it's great. And just hearing people talk about it, because my friends, you're saying you're fully, I said, guys, sort of embodied. Like, sometimes they would look for clues in the puppeteers to see, like, oh, what's going on? Because, like, they're so willing to go there. People are so willing, and especially, like, once you have puppets on stage, they're willing to suspend their disbelief, sort of like a cartoon in this. I guess that's sort of a close comparison. Like, yeah, it's really cool. It's really, really cool listening to that. 
That is something that grabbed me the first time I saw it, is that you, you have created this universe that has its own rules, and you really, you, you accept the rules of the universe as an audience member and just let it, let it blow you away. Totally, totally. I, yeah. <laughs> just, just say that into the microphone. <laughs> Everyone needs to know. <laughs> In terms of like the vocalization of the characters, is this coming out of as you're as you're improvising with the the puppets? That are you exploring different different sounds that maybe they would make? Because like we mentioned, there's no dialogue, but you do hear noises from different characters. Initially, when we do improvisation and with this piece, we um, we really explore voice, and some of them end up without voices, um, but they. I mean, they have, yeah, but they end up with expression. Um, it, it definitely comes out of initially the exploration with the improvisation and exploring of character. But then as we find things are needed, um, there's, sometimes we do this exercise where people talk through their, um, what their intentions are or what they are saying in their, their gibberish. But, uh, it definitely initiates with, um, with exploration, I would say. Mm-hmm. And then we end up saying it. We'll say, you know, our dialogue. And then Tidge will tell us to, okay, mask that. And then mask that more until eventually you're like, <laughs> or something, or just, you know, an expressive sound that comes out. You know, Betty, um, Nurse Betty is a prime example of um, a very vocal, very expressive person um, and you, anybody in the audience can look at her and put whatever dialogue they want onto her. Mm. Um, and that's the art. I love that part about what we do because some people were like, Oh, I feel like this is what they're saying. And you're thinking sometimes they're bang on and you're thinking that's exactly what I'm saying. And other people are just like, this was the story that I got. This character was talking about this. And it's just great. It gives them the opportunity to let their imagination soar with dialogue. It's kind of the magic of, of movement and, and from, a, from a dance perspective or a movement totally. perspective. This, exactly. this possibility of, of it meaning anything to that person depending on their uh, relationship with the characters or their... their intentions while while watching that is totally what we what we want is that a person can see what we've put out there and and take their own meaning from it and that i get really excited when someone will come and have a completely different experience than the one that i that we i thought we were putting forward or have get a completely different story or whatever and um that's always really exciting that it's really open for people to interpret in the way that they want Alex, as one of the fight directors, uh, I, do you do that kind of role for other productions that are more typical kind of straight-up theater? And how do you make that work for puppets? I, yes, I do, I do do uh, fight direction in <laughs> different contexts. I, um, yes, it, mo- mostly with humans. This is the first time I've done a puppet show. <laughs> with humans. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, so doing that, because I'd, I'd seen the show before, I got asked before there was even a fight in the story, which was like kind of cool. So there's this idea of how the puppets already moved. And uh, it was a lot of fun putting it together because um, David, the other fight director, and he's a puppeteer, he also does Greenie Doctor. And I, uh, we went to a studio with our other teammate. We, we were pretty much moving like the puppets and we had to like, kind of account for the puppeteer's bodies as well. 
So, I mean, there's like a little video of us moving like Claudia and moving like Greeny Doctor, and it's like really ridiculous. We're like, they're like just sort of figuring out the mechanics and like how, how like it translates from a human body to a puppet body. So it was, it was a lot of moving very, very slowly. And the thing is, uh, also with fighting and with puppetry, is that it has to be so specific. And I, actually, I think that's with any movement, really. It has to be like super specific in order, because you're not talking or anything. You have to tell the story completely through your body, right? So, um, and then translating that, I mean, things... Uh, once we had four, six bodies, really, you know, t- four humans and two puppets, um, moving together, like, there are things that had to be sort of like changed and stuff and that was something that we did take into account and we left it really open for that and uh, just to kind of leave room and for safety's sake and stuff because puppeteers are having elbows in each other's faces and we're like okay let's let's not do that anymore you know what I mean so it was like it was a lot of tweaking it was really tedious tedious work it's probably the most tedious fight I've ever had to put together and maybe the most tedious fight I may ever have to put together. And it was the most wonderful experience. Like, I mean, because doing that really helped me with the rest of my work. Because like, like, there was a lot that I learned through, I guess, the first time that we did it back for Fringe uh, 2013. And that, I was like, oh my God. And things just started clicking for me as an artist. Um, as a performer in all respects. Like, acting, musician, fight director, fighter um yeah it was really really cool yeah just finding those moments sounds cool it was also a really great challenge that she had to figure out how to keep the puppets in front the entire time because (laughs) in you know stunting and things a lot of the hits get blocked when someone turns their back towards the audience or towards the camera or what have you and (laughs) And we can't do that because we're not allowed to cover up the puppets as the humans, right? So we have to contort ourselves to keep (laughs) the puppets facing the audience the entire time. So, you know, David and I are doing this weird dance to keep the puppets forward, but to make it seem realistic when we're punching Claudia in the face, you know? So Yeah, that was really, it was really tedious. (laughs) It was really tedious, yeah. And it was really cool just... Like, figuring out, like, because when I would get behind a puppet, let's say, just for sort of workshopping, I guess, for lack of a better word, like, just like, okay, can this work? And it's just like, my body is so much different from Michelle's body or from Talia's body or from Aisha's body. And I'm just like, okay, so I can do it this way, but now they have to try it. And then I have to, like, kind of, like, rework it and stuff like that. It was, but, yeah, but, yeah, I don't know. It's fun. I love it. (laughs) Have you ever referred to yourself as a choreographer? Because to me, that sounds straight on. It is, yeah. what you're doing, you know? It is choreography. It's an interesting parallel to... Totally, totally. It is choreography, yeah. But I like to... um, The only reason I like to stay away from that word, a little bit, like not always, it's just because when it becomes choreography, at least with fighting, is that people tend to go into sort of automatic pilot mode when it becomes choreography, and then they're not thinking, and then like... And when people aren't thinking, that's when people get hurt. And that's the only reason. But it is, like, this choreography, and then from the choreography, like, it's just, it's just sort of, it's total vernacular. Like, it, it's the same thing. But it's just, like, when I'm working, that's, that's mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just to keep people from going on auto, autopilot and to keep people from being general with their work, I guess. Because, like, when I start using the word choreography, people start... Um, losing the specificity and stuff like that, you know, when they stop thinking. Yeah. 
Yeah, interesting. I know, yeah. It's it's weird. Like, just something doesn't click, I don't know, <laughs> like, in people's heads when that happens. Uh, when when preparing to do a show like this, since it's so physical for 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 you guys con- manipulating the puppets, how what's the what is the preparation going into it? Because uh, you spoke of like twisting your body and always <laughs> keeping the puppets forward, and I mean I feel like that. Are you sore? Like how are you? So sore, okay? so sore. This is not even funny. The amount of warming up that we need to do before a show. You know, you'll see, you walk into the theater, everyone's laying on their back, twisting and warming up their spines, a lot of wrist warm-ups, mm-hmm. because, um, you know, well, Andrew, for instance, has his, he's, he crawls the whole show. He's I'm, on his hands I'm basically knees. on my hands and knees for the entire show. <laughs> so that's, that's a challenge when you're doing that for, uh, what's it, five shows a week and two shows days on Saturday. And on concrete. On concrete. On concrete. Yeah. You love me so much. Yeah, the best. The knee pads are wearing thin. Uh, I've actually gone through a pair of pants and a pair of socks and a pair of dance shoes just crawling. Like there's holes building up in the knees and the feet because they've just worn away from rehearsals or doing the run and yeah. Go ahead. I think though we we definitely start and I mean this particular process we didn't have as much time to do as much as I would have liked but when we start a rehearsal process or a creation process um, I we really like to start with physicality and um, we, we, from our schooling, we had, um, we did a lot of Grotowski based physical work. So we have this training regiment that we do. Um, and we also, I also try to do exercises based on things such as viewpoints and, um, and even some like Butoh type work. So that's kind of where we, start physically and we start in that place so that we are that we have all those elements there and that's kind of how we prepare beforehand not just immediately yeah and you know um it's really great too because while we're doing the training Tidge will drop in ideas of your character um a storyline that you can use when you're in the training uh we work heavily with silent feet (laughs) (laughs) Because um, when you have all these puppets running around that don't have legs and you're, you know, you can't be clunking around. Um, and uh, and it's, it's very physically demanding work. Um, when people think puppets, they just think, you know, sock puppets. But you don't think that, you know, at least for my character, my arms are up at 90 degree, you know, for over an hour. And my shoulders, <laughs> like my muscles are huge now because of this you, you can't see her but she's really ripped <laughs> thanks I was listening. um but but yeah so i mean everybody has their own uh physically demanding part of their puppet that they play or they do both you know um and who is a, a dino fly uh, species um you know she flies above hand so there are three or four of us that manipulate her and she's up in our arms just right up in the air for however long she's flying so you know we have a Tidge is Tidge is the greatest because our puppets you know always have lovely um complex uh movements and um we rise to the challenge of taking these on 100 (laughs) percent and they do a great job (laughs) (laughs) something I just want to like if you don't mind me commenting on on, on what you just said okay cool like 
something so cool though about like that training and stuff is that um and why i sort of love this work and i love barbara and i love um grotowski and stuff is that like you train like that and it forces the uh, i guess or encourages uh, the performer to be engaged, even the, even having the silent feet, because to have silent feet, you have to be like engaged, and just them being physically engaged engages you in the story, like it just like, um, mm-hmm. yeah, like, it's Great just point. it's just because it, it's sort of like watching an animal, right? Like I mean, they're so compelling because they're just always engaged and they're always in this like sort of you know that flight or flight fight or flight mode. And uh, and when performers are like that, like I find that really interesting. That's just my personal opinion. Like I love watching it. That's just state of readiness. State, yes, a state of readiness. That's sort of like, yeah, it's just super, super compelling. Yeah, we've done the show where, when we're off stage, we're still on stage uh, at some different spaces, and we work that we never disengage ourselves when we're doing that. That when we're on stage, even if you don't have a puppet in your hand, that you still have to. Um, be present, giving your energy to people that are on stage. So, you know, even when you're off stage, you don't really fall into a lax mode or that you're still invested in the story, that you keep your energy levels up, things like that. So you have uh, We Walk Among You under your belt. You have Circular under your belt. Uh, Can we ask if there's plans for the future of the Artichoke Heart Collective? Uh, Actually, we do have a short... We have a collection of shadow puppets that we just did at Centaur on Saturday morning. Um, but anyways, uh, we, we have plans to make more shows. Um, uh, we're kind of in conversation about what that's going to look like. Um, we're not sure. Um, we had a really, we've had a, a busy year, which is fantastic. So we're kind of going back to the drawing board and seeing where we want to, like how, what, what exactly we want to pursue in our new work. Um, but we're not, we don't have any specifics yet got to find more objects on the street of Toronto to inspire another show. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Circular totally came from the objects. I mean, this, this show didn't quite come from the objects, but we collected, I collected, we just collected clocks, and uh, that was the primary, then I read books on time and time theory and all sorts of things, and that's, and it built out of there, but it really started with the object of a clock. <laughs> so maybe we'll find an object that will inspire us. We're not sure. You just need another garbage strike in Toronto. <laughs> yeah. That was the worst. I just, okay. <laughs> <laughs> this has been so wonderful. Thank you all very much for joining us today. Uh, we've been speaking with Andrew, Tijiki, uh, Talia, and Alex from the production uh, We Walk Among You by the Artichoke Heart Collective. You can check it out this week in Montreal at Mainline Theatre. Uh, all the information is at mainline.ca. Uh, you also have the info up on your, your own website. It's artichokeheartcollective.wordpress.com is where we can find information about you. And Facebook, just search uh, Artichoke Heart Collective. Perfect. So thank you all very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. See you later. Pew pew. Pew pew. The puppets. Yeah. Do the thing. Do the thing. Do the thing.
Well, that was fun. <laughs> Check out the next episode of Edge of the City, also on the No More Radio Network, for uh, another discussion about the Artichoke Art Collective and their show We Walk Among You. Paula Flalo is going to be interviewing some of the uh, other members of the group. Dirty Feet was previously recorded at the Montreal Improv Theatre and is currently recorded out of Mainline Theatre. Thanks, dudes. Dirty Feet est produit et animé par Produced and hosted by Alison Burns J.D. Papillon et Stéphanie Moret-Robert You can find out more about our show at nomoreradio.com Follow us on Twitter at Dirty Dirty Feet and find us on Facebook at Dirty Feet Podcast Vous pouvez écouter tous nos épisodes sur notre site web ou vous pouvez vous abonner également sur iTunes à notre podcast Listen to past episodes on website or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes While you're there, be sure to give us us a rating and or leave a comment to help us spread the word tune in next week for a whole new show